This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. A duality is the choice between two good things, and there are no harder choices in life than the choice between two good things. And people never think about that. And an example would be um, justice and and mercy. mercy, or freedom and responsibility, honesty and loyalty. These are all good things, but sometimes you have to choose between honesty and loyalty. Sometimes you have to choose between freedom and responsibility. And therein lies the pendulum. You see, these are good values. These are marvelous things. There's not one of them that's wrong and the other one that's right. But we, we will start moving in a direction, say, toward freedom. And that will take us into a me generation. A me generation will last 40 years. And this has been going on with precision in Western society for 3,000 years. So we left, we left it off with how does, when you're in the swing up to nightmare time. Right. The we. The we. Um, how, do you get, how do you get society to grab on when your leadership both are inauthentic, um, there is no um, even desire for truth, it seems. Everybody says, this is mine, and you people are the enemy. Because the we generation promotes enemies, right? Enemy lists. In a witch hunt, yes. Yes. Now, if you're going to defuse that, right. to answer the question, it only takes one person. It doesn't take both. Imagine this. Imagine a Gosh. debate where two people come together and the assumption is they're going to try to embarrass each other and make each other look stupid yes. and disprove the other one. Now imagine if one of them listened very, very, very carefully to what the other one was saying and said, okay, now, Glenn, let me see if I've got this right. You're saying this, and this is what you believe, and you, you literally articulate it in such a way that the other person says, yes, you get it. You absolutely get it. Now what did, what did the person who understood and relayed the understanding of the other person's position, what did they just gain? Authority. They now gained credibility that cannot be taken away because they have so thoroughly heard the other person that they were able to say, let me make sure I understand this. And remember, anytime there is a disagreement, the person... And not doing it in the way people no, are not doing to it right now. Them, like, not to embarrass them. Let me see them, if I understand this. Not to embarrass them, right. but to affirm. Now, if I don't understand... Clarify this for me. And the person says, no, you do understand. You got it perfectly. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. So when you listen well enough and you understand your opponent's position perfectly enough that you can prove that I heard you. I heard you and I understand what you think and I understand what you believe. And you can prove that because in any disagreement, the person who can articulate the position of their opponent to the satisfaction of the opponent 
is the person who's probably right. And people always have known this. What they, and so true leadership, true authority, will listen well enough to confirm that they heard it and that they understood it. And the person that they're debating with goes, oh, yes, I automatically won. He now sees my point. Well, now you're free to say, okay, I see it a little differently. Let me tell you what I believe. Now, after having listened without interrupting, right, Mm. and then proving that you listened, do you think there's any chance that the other person might reciprocate in kind? It only takes one, Glenn. It only takes one party to bring peace, one person to bring peace. Do you know the Father Abraham story? No. Okay. Long story short, um, the first thing in Congress they do is pray. Hmm. They meet. They can't get a quorum. Okay. And they keep meeting and meeting and meeting, and nobody's showing up. So they can't call Congress into session after the um, after you know after the war. And um, they wait for a quorum, and finally they get one. And quick, everybody into the room, call it into order. The first thing they do is say, now we have a quorum, we're calling it to order, we're in session, let's open with a prayer. They fight. And everybody says, I'm not praying with him. I'm not praying with him because he believes in this. And Well, I'm I'm not praying with you. And they argue until one of them steps up and says, and he is... What he does is he says, excuse me, could I nominate somebody to pray? And he's a real leader in his faith. Mm -hmm. And he picks the guy who is the most unlike him. There you go. And he says, I know he believes in God and I will pray with any man. Will you say the opening prayer? And that lasted for two solid hours. Wow. So that's kind of the, and it was in a we generation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this idea of showing, demonstrating... See, everybody says they believe in all the same things. This is true of mission statements of companies. Everybody wants to tell you what they believe, but they never demonstrate those beliefs. Right. So if you say you believe in this, show me. Demonstrate that for me. You say you believe in peace, show me peaceful behavior. How do we get the millennials? I guess it's just through demonstration. Demonstration, that's it. You got it. That's it. In other words... They don't, they don't to, believe anything. They don't want to hear what you say. Yeah. They want you to show them what you believe. It's like, no, talk is cheap. Show me. Does this, can we just rattle through a couple of things? Sure. Does this mean the end of talk radio as we know it or cable television, right box, left box, yelling at each other? Is that over? No, because remember, this is a witch hunt. And unless somebody does the right thing, it's only going to get worse. It's going to get worse for basically six more years. And then it slowly gets better. And then it slowly very begins to, to defuse a little bit. It, it gets Has it ever? I mean, well, of course it has. Soviet Union. It never got better. It got worse. Right. And so so the, if, you tip, if you tip by 2023, mm-hmm. is that consistent that it, it, that it doesn't tip after the zenith? Right. Usually... At the zenith is as bad as it gets, and for a couple years after the zenith, it's still pretty bad, but you're headed the other way now, and you get far enough away from the zenith, it begins to soften, at least the the things that are driving the behavior. Now, remember, this isn't about the behavior. It's about what's driving the behavior, and what's driving the behavior is this desire to work for the common good. We actually get tired of that, and what we want 
and you'll see it in technology and in literature, 10 years before the tipping point. So in this particular cycle, 2033, we are so weary of trying to clean everything up and straighten everything out and work together for the common good. We're so very tired of it. This is why right now, Uh I heard a quote today from a racist Mm -hmm. who said, I'm just tired of hearing about everybody else and uh, and their little problems, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to fix this country we're going to fix it, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of in it? I mean, that's an extreme example, but that's kind of the totalitarian, I'm tired of it. Well, think of it as a, a weariness. Whenever people say, I need some me time, I need, a little bit of, I need a little bit of reward for myself. Is it wrong for me to want something for me? Yeah. And so um, in literature, right? In 2033, you'll start seeing me literature again, and it will cause a huge buzz. Ten years before the tipping point, the alpha voices in music and literature emerge, and, uh, you, you, and, and you'll say, wow, so the technology and literature, and you'll say, wow, it's causing a huge buzz. It's not mainstream yet, but everybody's talking about this aberration. Wow, this person just wants to do their own thing and say, screw it, I'm going my own direction. And everybody's going, oh, that's just so wrong. Can you can you give me go go up to the chalkboard and show? Okay. Let's look, at, Jeremy. I'll have Jeremy come in and let's see if we can get um, the the cycle and then some of the stuff that we have. So you show us how it fit into the cycle. Glenn, the thing to remember is that the pendulum isn't about individuals, and it's not even about the outliers. It's about the masses. The masses will move together in a direction. So most of the people, most of the time, is what we're measuring. And so a person can be antithetical to the we cycle or the me cycle. There can always be an outlier. It's never about an individual. It's always about things becoming popularized, gaining momentum, and then be going mainstream. All right, so like, for instance, Woodrow Wilson. He's right. the first big progressive. Theodore Roosevelt is also in, in this. He's a rugged individualist. Right. But he also is starting to move towards the FDA. But these guys, especially Wilson, they're before the pendulum. They're about right. the end of the but tipping what point. what they were trying to make happen didn't catch hold. Right. It wasn't until they were fully into the we cycle. Now, these, these voices are saying these things. Did they get traction and did people embrace that? And Was it popularized? During it their, was for a short period of time, but then it scared the American people and they ran the other way. Because they weren't, their mind wasn't in that Got place it. right now. They're, what they wanted and what they were hungry for was something different than that. And so okay. a great leader can present something and people go, well, that seems interesting, but it doesn't scratch the itch we have right now. Got it. And they abandon it. So remember, this is about the hunger of the human heart. This is about we mourn for what we left behind. And people are always asking well, does the internet, is that going to change the speed at which this changes? And the answer is no. The speed of communication does not alter the pace of change in the human heart. The human heart changes at an agricultural pace, and the speed of communication does not alter that at all. Every psychologist knows this. Every grief counselor knows this. Um, so the idea of... the, the, the Can you the, stop for a second? And it is... There is the cycle of grief in this. Yes, there? yes. We're mourning what we left behind. Got it, okay. We took a good thing too far. We suffered for it. 
And it was a good thing, but we took it too far. We made it something it was never meant to be. So we start going back to what we left behind. That's what we want. And then we find it, and then we take it too far. So the real winning voices would be the, the voices of calm. And moderation. And moderation would be the ones that are just saying, we've been here, it's okay. Right. But what about when we, how, when you have been here, um, and it's turned out horribly, like in, in, you know, you're seeing this we pattern come back. Yeah, we have been here before, and it's bad. You're saying, hey, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. Right. Let me tell you how this movie ends. Okay, that is half of what needs to happen. The other half is the other how half do we is, avoid it. Here's what we need to do if we're going to avoid that. Now, if it means completely reject everything you're feeling right now, it won't work. You're not going to do it. You're going to have to say, let's re-aim that. Let's re-aim that energy, and I'm going to slightly alter it a little bit so that now we're going to accomplish a good thing. So it's why you can't dismiss people like the Tea Party, or you can't dismiss the Black Lives Matter. You can't. Because they feel it, and you're not going to change that. No, what I'm saying is, when a thing has momentum... I think, I, I, I'm not a student of martial arts, but I do know that some of the martial arts are about using the momentum of your right. opponent. And you're not gonna, you can't change the momentum. The, the size and weight and mass and strength of this mm-hmm. movement can be redirected, but it cannot be nullified. Okay. Okay, so right. you're, uh, that's your point. That's right. the point so you're, you're just not going to you're not going to find your way to avoid the consequence or to avoid what's happening um, or stop what's happening, but you can swerve and you can lessen the impact. Whenever you give people an alternative, it's like you've watched mothers with young children forever, I'm sure. Every mother with a young child knows that redirecting yes. the, the child works miraculously. I so much ad- admire mothers who, instead of trying to take authority and control and dominate the child, they just redirect its attention, and the child goes along with it because they wanted this, now they want a slightly different thing, and peace is maintained. And, I, and see, a person who doesn't rise to the bait and instantly start fighting simply because the other person wants to, that person's the one that should be put in charge. Are you familiar with Cass Sunstein? No. Um, behavioral scientist, um, and he is he's into choice structure. Uh, and basically, it's it's that, uh, and it's what our government is is really into right now. Don't take things away. Put the French fries in the back, but the apple slices in the front. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So you can still get them. Of course, we're not banning that. We're just right. making it impossible for you to get it. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, here, let's, let's, let's look at um, 1923. Yes. 1923 was the tipping point into... The previous, give me the, microphone. the previous we. And so we left a me generation, okay, entered into a we in 1923, and we mentioned earlier. But we're still in 1923. We're still, we haven't even hit the apex of the me, which is the roaring 20s. I mean, it's the eight, I shouldn't say that. We're, we're at the tipping point. But the effects of the me are still going, sure. right? See, when the early part of the we 
you're still seeing me behavior carried forward, but what people actually are trying to do, if you start looking at the literature and the influence and what's happening, the values of the society, along with the Roaring Twenties, shortly thereafter comes prohibition. Yes. And it's kind of like, no, 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 we're going to straighten this out. And so the mood of the people is about we're going to straighten things out. We've, 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 this has gone far enough. We have to put a stop to it. Great Gatsby. There you go, Great Gatsby. And the fact that they're pointing out the hollowness of yes. pointless wealth Correct. where you, you, you have money, but you're not making a difference. Got it. And that's what the whole book is about, mm-hmm. is the sorrow of the pointless rich. Yes. Okay? And so... You said, okay, so we get to 33. Now that you're halfway up, you're fully into the me generation. And what happens in 33 on the radio? Uh, in 33? 1933. FDR in the fireside FDR chat. FDR has his very first fireside chat in 1933. Gather around, children. We have this huge problem. We'll pull through this together. It's going to be fine. Here's how we're going to do it. I need to explain some things to you. Are you listening, children? And so he like a father figure, tries to make everybody feel safe, make everybody feel included, make everybody know that we're going to pull through this because we are a family. And so that is perhaps the right thing to do at that time in terms of stylistic communication. People feel included. People feel like they belong. And now that halfway up, that was for us, Glenn, 2013. 2013 is 1933 all over again. But you don't see a FDR or a Lincoln or anybody this time around. And that's why we are so horrifically frustrated and unhappy with our political process right now. So can I ask you, I was watching the debate, and as I'm watching these two, I see... They're both like from a different era. They just don't fit. They're just, they're, they're inauthentic. And everybody says that authenticity is what everybody wants, but I don't think so. I think they want, they want, they want the truth. They want, the truth is, authenticity is bigger than, you can't fake it. And it has to be surrounded by just be who you are and tell me the truth. I don't want all your fancy anything. The word you're looking for is transparency. See, authenticity is a word that doesn't really have a meaning. See, uh, let's say, as for the sake of the example, that Donald Trump is being very authentic. Let's say that he really he, is what he's pretending to be. I, okay? I, I think he... So, once again, authenticity is totally different than transparency. Correct. Transparency is pulling open the shirt and saying, I'll let you look at my heart. And he'll never do that. That's what I'm saying. So transparency is, I will let you peek behind the curtain. I will let you see me at my moment of doubt or weakness. Right. Or, or, or. And neither one will do that. That's the point. Hillary Clinton blew it when she didn't say, I'm sick. I'm sick. Exactly. Right. It's like, I'm I'm fighting pneumonia right now. I need to, I need to take. Well, here's the thing. People would have forgiven that. There would have been no scandal. Right. Um, Not that there was a scandal exactly. There would have been no news. The idea of transparency 
when you start looking at millennials and you're saying, what do they want? Like any me generation, they're saying, don't tell me what you believe. Show me. Be the thing you say. So this is why I heard somebody say that what the churches are doing now, and I don't know where you stand politically, and I don't want to get into the sure, sure. but um, what the churches are doing now by excusing behavior because it's politically expedient right. will be a harder thing to overcome than the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker and the Jimmy Swagger because that was one individual. This is making people question, you don't mean it. Again, if you look at the Jim Baker and the Jimmy Swagger and all of that, where were we? Me. They were in a me. That was what happens to everything in a me. Right. You find yourself a superstar and they say, you know, let's just do this big thing together. Let's have a Christian theme park or whatever. Yes, what? And then they all take off and it goes, yeah, let's do that thing. So in a me, those things happen. We take a good idea too far. And then in a, in a we, we take a good idea too far. And the, and the too far is what's called the witch hunt. Now, here's where we're headed. We were here in 2013. This is 2023. These years right here, coming up to 2023 and then back down to 2033, those are the years of the witch hunt. And this is whenever people are saying, hey, we were working together for the common good, but you know what? Some people aren't measuring up. They're not truly committed. And so I'm against them because they're not pure. And you know, Glenn, I think maybe the only two good people left are me and you. If you want to know the truth, lately I've been having my doubts about you. And so that's the witch hunt. And when nobody's measuring up and everybody's looking at somebody to blame. How do you diffuse that? How does the average individual, because I know everybody in America has felt that. Okay. Now, remember, 1943, there's two forces at work. You have um, a leader who's trying to hold things together. Winston Churchill, whom we have on the table. Yes. And we have Winston Churchill, and we also had FDR over here. But we also had, during those same years, who was the guy that if he didn't like you, he just branded you as a communist? Uh, McCarthy, that's later, yeah. but yeah. That was part of the witch hunt. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. communist, communist, communist. You said something I didn't like, you're a communist. I'm going to prove you're a communist, and nobody's ever going to talk to you again. And you had the blacklist, and lives were destroyed. Witch hunt. We only do that, ever, at the zenith of a we. And so it's going to be right here. Now, can we get around it? Yeah. If people understand, and when you read Pendulum, the very tail end of the book, when we start wrapping it up and we move into the witch hunt, we're explaining it. Michael and I said our only goal in publishing this book is that people will do exactly what you've done. Read it and say, you know what? Dialogue is maybe more effective than ranting. Maybe talking about it and examining what people believe and trying to see where they're coming from is more productive and ends with a much better result than just trying to destroy the people who don't agree with you. And I'm saying that mutually assured destruction is never a good plan, Glenn. It just never is. Who have you found in history that has done that and survived? Okay. You mentioned Gandhi earlier. Okay. He didn't survive. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, remember, in a we, what does the hero do? 
He gives himself for the good of the group. Right. He doesn't come out of it as the king. Yeah. He comes out of it as the sacrifice. Right. And so this is where, in a we cycle, you'll see the strongest leader is the one who said, I'm willing to die on this mountain. Right. I'm willing to give this everything I have, even if it costs me everything. Now, look at the founding fathers. You know for a fact they all died destitute. Why? Because they were at the zenith of a we, and they said, no, we're willing to go the full distance. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. That's what leaders do in a we if they truly want to be leaders. But remember, what they did, Glenn, is they said, even though we have wildly different opinions, to the point of violence, we have wildly different opinions, deep-seated hatreds, we will always come together, we will always respect the process of interacting, and then we will come up with an answer, even if it means I don't get my way. It's like Lincoln said, I will stand with any man when he's right, and I will calmly walk away when he is not. Right. And meaning, I'll be your friend and we can come and go, and we just will connect when we can, but I'm not going to make you my enemy. Right, exactly. And what I'm saying is that is the answer. And so is there a way to win? Yeah, it's by not trying to win decisively and totally. It's reconciliation. It's Martin Luther King. It's, It's what I'm saying is, and you look at Martin Luther King. Now, even though it was in the early, early, early years past the tipping point, just the first few years into a me, he was formed in a we. All of his personality and all of his belief systems and everything he took into his final days was formed in a we. And then in a me, when people were ready for a leader to emerge, he emerged. And so now it's time for a me leader, but he was was delivering all of his training in the we. But then he was saying, now we're going to do this differently. We're not going to fight. We're going to not fight. What a cool strategy to win by not fighting. And so I'm saying that if people think that through, and if they have enough peace in their heart to say, that's worth a shot, because I'm really tired of all the bickering and the feuding and the rage. And so let's just elect the person who seems like they're willing to listen and consider what everyone is saying. How important is faith in this? I'm a big believer in the separation of church and state. No, no, no. Hang on just a second. Um, Couldn't be anybody bigger than our founders on the church separation of church and state. They were deeply religious, each in their own way. Um, And so that, as Franklin said, that gave us the uniting principles to be good and decent. Where France didn't have that, Mm -hmm. uh, they went the opposite way. While we are in with uh, Lincoln, which is, that's run by, really, by the Christians, Mm -hmm. um, France and Germany and Europe goes to Marxism, which is godlessness. Same thing happens in the next we cycle. Mm -hmm. We still have enough faith and God in our community in the 30s that we hold together on those principles. When you lose faith, when you have taken, for instance, the Dadaist movement, nothing means anything, God is dead, everything is gone, that led to Weimar, which leads to National Socialism. Can you do this without God? Can you stay, can a society stay together without some uniting principle that says you have to love your neighbor? 
Now, here's the thing. The assumption here, Glenn, is that people are not capable of loving their neighbor unless they believe in God. Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. But it, as Franklin said, it helps. Back to what I began with, I don't think it's essential to require faith in a we cycle. Yeah, I'm not saying require. I'm saying, what I'm, well, I guess what I'm asking you is, we're a society losing our faith. The millennials are looking at what our faith example is now and saying, you're not walking this walk at all. So it's being discredited. Um, does faith need to be encouraged or is that just also a nice, good thing? Can it be done with a group of people who say, I don't right, have any faith? Historically, if we're talking about Christianity and all of its manifestations, yes, the church has always thrived best under persecution. Correct. When, it has, when, when faith costs nothing, it is not cherished. And so what I'm saying is, believe it or not, there are amazing times ahead for the church. I agree. Because of persecution. it will be unpopular. And uh, if, if I can quote Jesus, okay, um, well, actually Romans 10, 9, if you confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man confesses unto right standing with God, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And basically several times Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, if you take a stand for me, I'll take a stand for you before God. You take a stand for me before people. And so this idea of saying, hey, look, even though it's unpopular, even though you think I'm ridiculous, and even though you want to pat me on my little head and say, oh, is it just so adorable that you believe in a giant fairy in the sky? <laughs> okay. To say, okay, if that's what you want to call it, yes, I do believe that. Well, so now it costs you something. Okay. It, never, it hasn't cost us anything to believe in a very long time. And that's, in my opinion, just a simple opinion of one person. I think that's why... Faith has become valued less, but as it now is beginning to cost us, if we are bold enough to simply say, I do believe, you don't have to, and I understand that you don't, and we can still be good friends if you don't believe, but I do. And so, yeah, say what you need to say, but I do. And people will say, huh, well, that's, that's interesting. He's willing to pay a price for this. Perhaps it is worth something because he's paying a price for it. It, it must have some value that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not afraid of a nation that has forgotten God. I'm, I'm afraid of a nation that isn't paying any price for its beliefs. And so in a we, show me what you believe. Pay for it. Pay for it with an action. Embarrass yourself by saying in front of this room full of people that you believe in the giant fairy in the sky. Okay, I do. I believe in a giant fairy in the sky. I really do, and I always will till the day I die. So, what do you want to talk about now? Do you want me to tell you about it? Or do you want to change the subject? And so, I, that's what I think will happen. And so, I don't align the future of the church with the future of America. I think they're radically separate things. I do, too. And so... Well, I think the future of God, if you will and the future of the church are radically different things, too. Yes. The church is run by man, and God is run by God. <laughs> and which is why, if I may, I have never been a big believer that we were going to bring about um, the kingdom of God on earth 
through electing the right people. Right. It's not going to help. Is this kind of like we're always going to have screwed up people in charge, no matter who we elect? They're going to be horribly imperfect, and it is not a it is not a replacement for uh, the ultimate plan of God for our individual lives. And so I'm not looking for the government to straighten out and clean up America so that it makes it more godly. You know, forgive me for this, but since you brought it up, no, I, I'm fine with it. So here's the deal: if people were basically good, we wouldn't need a savior. Is that okay to say? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, you know what? People are basically screwed up, and everybody's screwed up a little differently. The only people that are truly screwed up are those who believe they are not. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I'm oh, saying, yeah. so in a we cycle, the sense of communal brokenness, we're all screwed up a little. I'm screwed up differently than you, and I can forgive him for being screwed up because I'm at least that screwed up, but in a different way. And so when you bring that sense of, and that, now we're back to here. All right, let me go on. These things we have written down here, this is where it gets interesting. Witch hunt, the underlying belief is, I'm okay, but you're not okay. That's what happens in a witch hunt. But look, down here, you go back into the me, I'm okay, you're okay, rainbows and unicorns, you do your thing and that's I'll do that, my thing. Uh, that, uh, what was that, transcendental meditation? Transcendental meditation, yes. That's TMI. that point. So TMI, right. Yeah. And then, so you said, oh, everybody do your own thing, and it's all relative, and it doesn't matter. So that's rainbows and unicorns. But now you get up into the zenith. You're okay. I'm not okay. Hero worship. It's hero worship. I feel like I'm falling short because I'm not John Wayne, or I'm not uh. Marilyn Monroe. I'm not this perfect icon. I'm falling short of that. And so you're okay. That's why we dress up in costumes and pretend. We're dressing up in costumes because we're trying to be this impossible dream that we're not able to be. So you're okay. I'm not okay. It's hero worship. But now, down here, down here, 2000, well, actually from uh, 1993 to 2003 to 2013, what we're just now emerging out of was I'm not okay and you're not okay. We're both broken, and that, that sense of uh, we're all in this together and none of us is perfect, the language of millennials. You now understand millennials. Mm. Quit trying to pretend you're perfect. Quit trying to pretend you have all the answers. Be transparent. When you're confused and you're hurting, say so. We can deal with that because we're confused and hurting sometimes too. And remember what I said about you or the donkey? No. He's not a bad character. Oh, Eeyore. Yeah, yeah, Eeyore. yeah. Eeyore. Eeyore yeah. the donkey. It's like, yeah. it's probably going to rain, and somebody has to do this hard thing, and it's probably me, so let's get started. Right. And then he does it. Yeah, he moans a little bit, and then he does the hard thing. And so I actually have more confidence in the fundamental character of millennials than do most, most baby boomers. I do, too. I, I like millennials. I do, too. I have two sons that are millennials, and I'm going, you know, these guys are rock solid. They're, most, they're more honest. They don't talk a big game. They just play a big game. Yeah. Small actions are more valuable than big dreams. Big dreams is a me generation. So who goes to the, I'm not okay, you're not okay, we're both broken. Do those people, as they go up to the we zenith, They get self-righteous. They, they get self-righteous. Yes, what happens is... So we were both broken, but then we decided to clean this place up. We're going to straighten some things out, by golly. Prohibition. We're going to outlaw some stuff. I'm going, well, okay, but it isn't going to fix anything. Right. The fact that you pass these laws and you're going to demand that everybody start acting right, eh, 
that doesn't work, but you can give it your best shot. Right. But yet this idea that we're going to have no more of that and we're going to have no more of this and we're just not going to stand for it anymore. And I'm going, you know what? That's what everybody wants to do because this working together for the common good has gotten out of control. And I'm going, we take it too far. And when we take it too far, it ends up in self-righteousness, condemnation of others, massive infighting. Everybody's outraged and fearful and nobody's happy. And I'm going, yeah, it's kind of an ugly thing. You know, it's like of all the four different ways that we are. Remember, a round trip is 80 years. To be in the same position, headed in the same direction, is 80 years. But from zenith to zenith is 40. And to go from the tipping point up to the me and then back down is 40. Up to the we and then back down is another 40. But whenever you say these are the forces that are at work because people have a hunger that's not yet been satisfied, and then they get to the point to where they should be balanced... And nobody tells them, now you have found a balance. It isn't perfect, but you're, you're balancing self-interest and community interest correctly. Most dangerous part of the entire cycle, I think we've been taught, is the me-zenith. It is, because people carry that forward and they confuse... A, uh, a destroyer, an anti-hero with a me-hero. Okay. 19, what year was Bonnie and Clyde? 30s? Yeah, 30. We have the Bonnie and Clyde yeah, photo. Bonnie that I think's amazing. And remember, they were anti-heroes. They were saying the system is screwed up. Robin Hood, rob from the rich and give to the poor. Robin Hood was an anti-hero, not a hero. And he says, I'm going to destroy the system because the system is corrupt. And I'm just going to be the Molotov cocktail that is thrown into society. But he's in the we. This is in the we. Yes. Yes, okay. Remember, anti-heroes are the heroes of the we. The me has true heroes. John Wayne heroes, Billy Graham heroes. Right. But, so I just want to make sure I get this right. Because I, what I said was, the me, we're taught that the me zenith is the most dangerous but I don't think it is. It's the we zenith. No, what I'm, you know, you're right. But what I'm saying is the me zenith is dangerous because we overvalue heroes. Heroes, yes. And we keep looking for heroes. And when we get into the we, the only heroes to be found are the anti-heroes, the Bonnies and Clydes, the Pretty Boy Floyds, the destroyers who say uh, it's a rigged system and I'm going to destroy it. I'm sure that you're not referring to anybody on nope. that. <laughs> Wouldn't do that. That is really fascinating. Everybody I talk to now is looking at a situation where they think it's a good thing to burn it all down. They are looking for that. And I keep thinking to myself, that's not, that's not good. That's not good. No. In no. fact, do you have... Give me the Mickey Mouse here. This is... This is one of the first Mickey Mouses made, one of the first Mickey Mouse dolls. Um, and I went back and I was watching a lot of Charlie Chaplin, and I'm a big Disney fan. Mm-hmm. I was watching Charlie Chaplin. And I thought, these two, A, they're the same character. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Same character. They are the, the average Joe that is, just has a hard time barely making it, in Charlie Chaplin's case, not making it. 
um, but is trying to do the right thing, not for them, not so mm -hmm. they succeed, mm -hmm. but so, so somebody else succeeds and somebody else gets the happiness. And this is, if you look at it, this is the, um, the character that gets us through right. the so bad times. The everyman character, and if we want to extend that, um, this is Jimmy Stewart in every movie he ever made. Yeah. And if you look at George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, yes. he gives up his own dream to stay and run the savings and loan so that the community can benefit from his sacrifice. And, you know, the whole premise of the movie is he says, you know, I didn't make a difference. And then Clarence the Angel goes, no, no, no. Let's see what the town would have looked like had you right. not been here right. and done what you did. Just trying to make it through the day, just trying to do the right thing. Tiny actions, not big dreams, little tiny actions, doing the right thing every day. Where we just left the, the hero that is... All talk. <laughs> yeah, and, and more of a, a George Clooney looking perfect, exactly. spit polish, that kind of... Precisely, and somehow they miraculously all overcome impossible odds. Yeah. It's James Bond. James Bond. James Bond is the, is the me hero. Mickey Mouse, Charlie Chaplin, Jimmy Stewart the everyman doing the best they can, trying to make it through the day, modeling correct behavior, and it has a little bit of that Eeyore the donkey in it. There's no great heroic, you know, follow me, men, we'll charge simple. the machine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very simple. simple thing. Now, that is what people want, and if you give them that, they will respond. And that's not what either of our candidates are giving us right now. Right. And nobody... This is well, why everybody's in some unhappy. Way, you know, some way, um, you are seeing it in, uh, what do you call those little yellow minions... In uh, you know you know in this in the Pixar th those guys are they fail but you know right exactly no you're right those little yeah 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 so that is that is the new Mickey Mouse the yeah, new Charlie is. Chaplin and so the people who who are just plodding along um, and and making a small difference every day the the unsung heroes are are what we need more of and to call that out of people and to tell them by small actions we can make a difference. That is the correct role model in a we, because that's what people actually are hungry for, is to participate and make a difference. And if you give them the opportunity to do that, not in a heroic way, but in a small and daily way, they're okay with that. When we were in the vault, you said, have to have the ruby slippers. Have to have the slippers. Why? They're the answer. Here's I just the, want to go home. <laughs> here's, here's the thing, Glenn, is remember, when you watch The Wizard of Oz... Dorothy gets the slippers pretty close to the beginning of the movie. Right, first thing. She's been wearing the slippers all along, and she has this dream, this thing she wants so bad, and she wants to go home. She wants to go home. She's on this dangerous journey. She's enduring all of this stuff. She makes all these friends. But yet, when she finally, finally meets the wizard, who simply means wise man, you know what, you know what he tells her? There's nobody that can... We do can't do this. Yeah. And so now this is the zenith of a we. Sorry, girl, I've been lying to you. There is no answer. But then Glenda comes along, the beautiful dream, and says, no, 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 wait a minute. Don't listen to him. All you have to do is say, there's no place like home when you click your heels together because you've had the answer from the beginning. You started with the answer. You've always had the answer. You just need to believe that you already have the answer and take a tiny little action and keep repeating it. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. That's exactly what we've been saying. 
Americans have the answer. We get to vote. That's not a question. And we get to tell who we want to be the candidates. And people haven't taken that seriously enough. They haven't been clicking their heels together and exercising their right to choose. And if they start choosing according to better values than we have been exercising in the past, we will have better candidates and we will have a brighter future. We've had the shoes all along. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645.